One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the latest episode of the Red Men Weekly Podcast, a show where we bring you the best clips from the previous week's Red Men Plus content. Say it all the time, but if you want to watch or listen to these shows in full, redmenplus.com is the place to go. And we're actually running a special offer over there right now in honour of Liverpool's new signing, Wataru Endo. So before Sunday midnight UK time, if you head on over to redmenplus.com, join us as a yearly captain. Use the promotion code ENDO, E-N-D-O. When you do so, you'll be able to get that yearly subscription for half price. Works out at about £34.99. You can work that out in your own um, your exchange rates if you're listening abroad. But yeah, code ENDO, yearly subscription. Get yourselves involved with these shows. Right then, speaking of the shows, first up this week, the return of the final word show. Yes, after every single Liverpool game, the final word show is the following day, or at least maybe two days later at max in this instance it was of course the next day and yet obviously Liverpool drew one all at Stamford Bridge and I was delighted 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 to have Andy Bell and Sam Walker in the studio with me to talk about that particular 1-1 draw let's talk about the first opening goal then that's a superb Liverpool goal Sam from start to finish yeah. even Sobersly's little knock off into McAllister his ball to Salah unbelievable ball into Diaz that's like that's training ground it's like Remember the Hoffenheim goal? It's a bit like yeah, that. It's, yeah. it's a really well weighed goal. It's, it's it's a wonderful goal. Salah does well. McAllister does well. Diaz, all three of them showing just how good they can be. Exactly, and it shows what what you know that what was I was really proud of the team yesterday. Is and last year we'll have all sat here or on multiple platforms and said Liverpool don't look like they're technically gifted as the other team are playing against a lot against a lot of teams. We look like we're weak on the ball, bad touch, slow. That was the opposite. We had a, a team full of technicians. Look, look, look who was on the board. Trent, McAllister. You know, Somersley was part of it as well, wasn't he? Then Mo Salah to Diaz. That's five, six brilliant footballers. Did Van Dijk play a part in the... I can't remember if he started it as well. I'm not sure, but some really technically gifted players are in our 11 now, which is great to see. And that goal is what this new team hopefully is going to be all about good quick passing fast transitions Mo Salah being Mo Salah he's the creator these days and he can't score for Toffee anymore but he, mm-hmm. but he but he's a fantastic creator um, and I think like I said that's hopefully what we're going to see a lot more in, the, in of this season um, and yeah like what what we did see with, with that goal and some of the moves in the game is is what we are capable of and which is comes back to the initial point it, it feels like there was lots of positive things we can take as well as the, the disappointment of, of not winning the game. And I suppose, Andy, like, Liverpool did look dangerous on the counter at times, but this goal wasn't a counter. This was like just playing through a team quite easily as well. Really, Liverpool made that look quite simple. Mm-hmm. And it can go wrong so many ways. If McAllister's pass is wrong, if Salah's first touch is wrong, if, it's, if the pass isn't right, if Diaz just isn't making the run, everything about it was just absolutely perfect. It looked like something they might have worked on because I think to move on to Diaz and we also have Salah afterwards, but... There were, I don't know if it's criticism, but I think that everyone's worried about Diaz is, can he score enough? You're replacing Sadio Mane on the left-hand side, or Diogo Jota, both are goal scorers, or became goal scorers for Liverpool, 20 goals a season wasn't uncommon for those players, or there or thereabouts. That's a that's a run and a finish of a guy who, who probably could do that, if Liverpool can continue to assist him with that, because the run's fantastic, he just... I know he, he, does, he just leaves Rhys James for dead. Like Rhys James was good in the game, but it, I mean he switches off there, and Diaz has run capitalised. But that's it's great to see Luis Diaz back post first time finish. That is a Salah does that. Mane's done that for years. That's what Liverpool wingers expect to do. We've seen Jota do it. It was nice to see Diaz getting on it as well. Yeah, and I think the, the I think you're right. I think the concern with <coughs> Diaz is that he he does brilliant things in rubbish areas sometimes or useless areas. Whereas Mane was the the complete opposite. He sometimes didn't look quite as um as I don't know conventional or gamely. Um, but he always he always sort of got on the end of things and always he was able to get his, his numbers up and it, it it remains to be seen whether Diaz can do it. He does do it in Portugal, obviously the caveats on on the the quality of the league. But I think 
um, for quite a lot of the time he's been quite unlucky in Liverpool sure I think it was one game last season first game of last season I think he had supposed three times <laughs> against yeah. Fulham so you know I, th- I think those goals you know will come and we saw I think quite similar to the, the goal yesterday the goal against Bayern Munich as well which he scores where he just drifts in and, and you know once he gets in there and, and you know, gets a touch in the ball he's got the quality to, to get his shot off and, and, and to get those numbers I think and yeah, just on the goal. It's, as I say, as I said before, everything good comes through McAllister, as it always does. And like Salah in that area on the corner of the box where he cuts inside now, like he's the most deadly player in that position I think I've ever seen. I've seen Colwell, and I think Colwell's good. He had no idea what to do. Colwell struggles, yeah. And it ne- he nearly had to one. Salah's just before the goal. Salah has another chance where his first touch just gets away from him. Mm. I like Colwell again, and I can see why Liverpool are interested. I can see why teams want him, but. It was a bit like Martinez last season against Man United. When Salah's got the ball at his feet and he's running and he and he's got you on toast because he can do anything. You don't. It was like, do we engage him? Well, he'll just skip past me. Do a standoff him? Well, he can do that. I don't know. I mean, my decision would be Sam. I can do on this one would be I probably just try and smash him. Yeah. If I'm honest, if, if, but like it's so hard because. You can see all the time, he's like, what do I do, what do I do? And in the end, Salah goes, well, if you're going to give me that much space, I'll just play this type of ball. And it was a pinpoint ball as well for Mo Salah. Yeah, you're right there. I remember um, Salah, Salah literally had the bad touch, didn't he, like moments before. And he doesn't do that twice. No, he's absolutely right. His, his, his passing is, you know, I say unrivaled because we've got players like De Bruyne in the league, but he's fantastic for a winger to deliver the, the amount of goals or at least chances that he, he puts on a play I mean I remember more last year when he did it uh, or was it the year before away at Watford I think that we, um, and he played we beat them about 6-0 he played an unbelievable him. ball to Mane and Mane slots it yeah. was like mm-hmm. similar ilk a um, bit close to the goal but there was there was literally a, when, when they showed the, the the goal again it stopped and showed the pathway for Salah to it but he's doing that at whatever miles per hour you know it's, it's a fast game of football and he spotted that ball and, and executed it perfectly to a tee where no one could do anything about it um, yeah Mo Salah when, 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 he, when he's in them areas is, is frightening and you know long may it continue buzzing for Diaz as well by the way Hey guys, thanks for checking out that clip from our final Weird Show. If you want to check out that entire show in video or podcast form, head on over to redmenplus.com now. We'll do a final word after every single game that Liverpool played this season. So yeah, that's game one down. There's about 40 to 50 odd more to go, depending on how we get on in the Cups. Sign up, redmenplus.com, and you'll get the final word after each and every one of them. Thanks to Sam and for Andy for joining me for that one. Right then, let's move on to the Bias Football podcast. It was actually the Bias Football slash Bias Transfer podcast. Anyway, a little bit of both this week with the footy being back. But yeah, it was Paul, it was me, it was Chloe, and it was Dan having a big old chat. It was everything non-Liverpool, one of the rare times that we do some content that isn't Liverpool-focused, which is nice. But yeah, here's what we had to say on this week's Bias Football slash Transfer podcast. Yes, I still reporting on uh, BBC Sport. The Paris Saint Germain have agreed a deal to sell Brazil forward Neymar to Saudi Pro League side Al Hilal for about 90 million euros, 77.6 million quid plus add ons. Uh, it's 31. When did that happen? I mean, obviously, every day of his life, <laughs> ultimately, it's a cumulative thing. But, like, in my head, Neymar's still like. 22 waiting to have his real breakout season where he becomes the de facto best player on the planet Um, as it turns out he just played for PSG for ages and now he's going to play in Saudi two and a half million pounds a week (laughs) imagine 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 can't play anywhere can't play on the moon 129 million 129.2 million pounds a year six times what he earned at Paris Saint-Germain Jesus, That's outrageous. Nice. Nice. <laughs> it's funny it was the Neymar transfer that originally blew the world open mm. in terms of the transfer market. And then we're going a little bit full circle now where again once again it's just an outrageous amount of money for for a very, very good footballer. But there again, it's our duty. We aren't buying Neymar because he's very, very, very good. That helps to doing it because there's your you know, your South American market cracked wide open there like, mm-hmm. I was speaking to a Brazilian uh, journalist not long about Neymar off record like, and he, he basically said hang on if that's off record what are you doing no what I mean like off I'm going to name who he is is that I'm sure that's not how off record that's not how off record it's fine this is fine it's not going to break this it's, part might not yeah, yeah it's not yeah, going to yeah. break this is one of the parts and what he said was <laughs> part of the thing was you will be shocked at how popular he is and he is like all right, he, cool. he, yeah, yeah, I'm not giving any away. Yeah, yeah, I'm, don't worry, I'm not. Neymar's dead popular. I'm like, no, no, off no, the records. No, hush, hush. <laughs> <laughs> tap, the nose. They tap his nose when he tells me. Quite like him. Let me finish. 
let me finish let me finish let me finish what I was saying was in terms of like the money he makes Nike or at the time the Brazilian kits and all that like, it is like superstar level it, it, it's Messi Ronaldo-esque levels in terms of what he's at because I was I used to say like, why with those, like, why is he at PS he's not like he goes again but like is he is he worth the fuss kind of thing? He's been very and well commi- marketed. That yeah, thing. that's what I'm saying. Commercially, he is worth. And I used to think he is really good for PSG. He's a good footballer, but like, is he worth all the fucking drama that comes around with him? But like, genuinely, he's a money making machine. Yeah. Like, he, he is up there with the with the best of them. So to get all the eyes in the world again, it's another superstar transfer for Saudi Arabia. This is Saudi Arabia now with. Cristiano Ronaldo, one of the best players of all time. The current Ballon d'Or winners there. Now they're going to get probably one of the most popular South American footballers, Brazilian footballers in the last couple of decades. They, they, they know what they're doing. Like, they're, not, they're not idiots. I mean, if you're going to sports, watch, do it right. And they're doing it right. Do we know how much Ronaldo's on a... a that would probably be somewhere. We could we could absolutely have very simply yeah. Googled that if you had Just because I, I want to know in comparison because we six it. times PSG is wage is a bigger not, stat than two and a half to me. They? I don't yeah, understand, yeah. 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 Like that is blowing me away. Two and a half two hundred million Ronaldo. Okay. Two hundred yeah, just yeah, Ronaldo's salary just says two hundred million pounds, yeah. Um, that's similar then, isn't it? So that's yeah. one. No, it's not. That's a bit significantly more than, isn't it? Oh, they know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seventy million, yeah. million, million more. Maths is easier, isn't it? Wow, it's insane, that isn't it? Um, the name must have. Yeah, it's funny because Yazo. It's like you know, you get told that someone's big and popular, but I, but I've never watched him play enough. And he was, he was, you know, he had some good flashes in them games against us in the champ mm. in the Champions League, um, but I never quite fathom out like. Because it, it's the Barcelona thing. He was clearly the heir apparent. You know, he was the next young superstar. They'd followed that model where they had Ronaldinho, Messi was the young one. And then they kind of flipped uh, flipped the rankings and then Neymar came in to be the one who learns from underneath. And then obviously PSG kind of ruined the line of succession. And then as a result, I don't know what Neymar is. He's clearly carried on playing for Brazil. He's clearly got again, a huge personality. He just looks like... Justin Bieber a footy to me you know he's obviously he's obviously talented but it's like he just feels more marked and hyped than actual performer at this yeah. at, at yeah. this point um, I think a lot of that is due to his style of play as well because yeah. he is very flicks and tricks and yeah. he's quite a lot about sort of the flamboyance of football as opposed to the actual very, end he's very haircuts and tattoos yeah. for me and, and earrings yeah he yeah. is a lot of that yeah so I think that is the, the way he is the full package in that sense because I think if he's solely concentrated on putting the ball in the back of the net or providing assists and being good at football he was actually produced a lot more and we mm. talk a lot about him sort of being one of the best in the world but because so much of his style is centred around showing off and showboats like he gets booked every other week well he was getting booked every other week in France for rainbow flicking people and stuff like that wasn't he so he is very much like a a showman as opposed to a footballer he's sometimes. been highly effective but what I would say is that brilliant. He, well yeah he's brilliant he's, he's boss I remember watching I went to watch Brazil versus Croatia in friendly at Anfield a few years ago and it, it was like a different level of football like he just he, everything about him was amazing Yeah. but PSG are selling him they're not asked. you know what I mean like they're fighting tooth and nail to keep killing Mbappe for one more year See later, they're not bothered about losing Neymar, and if he, and if he is like PSG have decided that they tried to go down the Galacticos, whatever you call it, route, mm. and ultimately failed, they didn't get that Champions League they want. They're changing tact, and the and the one of the reasons doing it, they didn't have to sell Neymar. He's still under contract as far as I know for a while, yeah, so they're choosing to do this. They're choosing to go. You know what? Get rid of him. It looks like they're going to keep Mbappe for at least one more year. Um, and potentially lose him to Real Madrid. So they've kind of made their choice as well. And I, I, I thought this at Barcelona was Neymar as that. A little bit of main man syndrome. Yep. He was never, he was never the main man there because obviously, why would you be? He had Messi and he had Suarez, and that's why he left. That's why he left. That's why he left. Yeah. He wanted to be the man, and he's gone to PSG and he was the man for a little bit, but now he's no longer the man. The man's the the French superstar kid. So that was off again. Mm-hmm. I think that speaks a little bit about him as well about his character. Also, he takes his sister's birthday off every, every single, single year, year. Like two weeks off every year because of that. It's, it's really like good. clockwork. It's fascinating to sort of. There's a timeline somewhere of it. It's literally ridiculous. Like every year on the dot. The fixtures around his uh, birthday, he's gone. Mm, yeah, sure. Right. The thing is, though, he was possibly in one of the greatest front fees of all time. Messi, yeah. Suarez, Neymar. That was an unbelievable. And at that time, he was possibly the best left winger in the world. Mm. Like, he was incredible. And to go from being that good, the new generation of Barca, if you think of when Barcelona did play PSG in that, like, six 
what six two or whatever mm, it was. Game, yeah. Neymar was a bigger played a bigger role in that game than Messi, and it kind of felt like you weren't handing the torch over, but you were passing it down. Um, and it, he, he got off because he wasn't the main man, and he would never be the main man because for me, Messi's the the best footballer of all time. Um, and there's it goes another, to well, there's, no, there's another big point that we just made there. We follow these big massive. Controversial points that uh, <laughs> Neymar's popular uh, Messi's boss I've got more competition than yours though, <laughs> um, so we didn't yeah. have to break any confidentiality clause just to say I won those things mine's also you know people can choose other, other footballers <laughs> yeah, they're all rocking, uh, yeah, but right. the, the, the other thing is is you talk about his attitude there he's, he, he looks like he doesn't care people have said he's not been in shape for a long time you don't have to be in shape technically Technically, to put about a football pitch, but you'd rather be. Um, and also, it was only like a month ago he had to apologise to his wife for cheating on her. So, um, you know, yeah. that's what's happening in his world. And his punishment is that he's going to go yes. and earn £130 million pounds a year. Um, just out of interest, I, uh, he, he's played as a left winger 300 times in his career and scored 188 goals mm. and got 141 assists. Ridiculous. <laughs> not, not, not bad numbers, are they? Barcelona. Shite league, though. 186 games for Barcelona, 105 goals, 76 assists. Yeah, Incredible. 173 for Paris Saint Germain, 118 goals, 77 assists. Like ludicrous numbers, then. Yeah. Yeah. He's a superstar. James Milner put him right, didn't he? Oh yeah. <laughs> the, um, the PSG stuff, you know, the Galacticos thing is interesting because I just wonder whether they've done that now. You know, like they've gone past that point where they've now raised the profile of PSG. They've got like you know, it's the Jordan deal, and everyone now knows they've put Paris Saint Germain on the map. But now, actually, what they need to do to put themselves on the map is win a European Cup, and the best way to do that is to have to have seventeen or eighteen really good players as opposed to five. Mm. Um, so yeah, be interesting to see what to they be do. Fair next though. They had superstars all over the pitch. Marquinhos, incredible. Donnarumma on his day, incredible. Hakimi, incredible. Verratti, yeah, but they had, incredible. But it was the eleven. No, they had the, the, they've had eleven. They've had, you know, they've never had a squad. No, yeah, That's I the agree. Point. But with how much money they've spent, they should have won something. Mm. I mean, even now, Ugarte has gone for a ridiculous price. You know, yeah, they're not going to. They're not going to be paupers. But I think the point is, they're they're moving away from. The guy who could be bigger than the team, and they're trying to build a squad on a team. Mm. Well, they changed the. They, they made like a. Didn't they make like a yellow away kit when Neymar moved there? Because again, it was all part of like buying into that Brazilian thing. They signed it was Thiago Silva as well around that yeah. time, wasn't it? And um, you know, he was uh, immense for them. Again, you see it happen. It's like it's it's these one on one on how to win yourself a wider audience. The real the re- what you're meant to do is you're meant to be brilliant in Europe and that's how you bring a wider eyes to your, to your thing like Arsenal have never won a European Cup but they're one of the most supported clubs in Europe because they were just in, they would play a good brand of footy in Europe every year um, you see it with like Newcastle having their Saudi coloured away kit because that's what you, you, you it's like it show, gives away your target audiences to, to some extent but mm. it's it, the PSG project has been fascinating but I, I'm not against what, it going wrong you know? what do you think happens when they get rid of Mbappe because they certainly won't be as big it's whether anyway, it's whether the the prospect. It feels like they need us one superstar for them. It's it's what happens because. Mbappe should be a cautionary tale to anyone. In fact, Neymar and Mbappe. He's obviously had a great. He's had loads of money. He's got loads of goals. He's had an international career off the back of it. Both of them. Have, both of them have. But they haven't come. Okay, they want to get one Champions League final. They haven't really dominated Europe. They haven't been. They haven't. They, it's hard to be. I think the best player on the planet if you don't play for Real Madrid, Barcelona. Manchester United, Premier sadly, League. It's the Premier Juventus, League, yeah. yeah, maybe the Premier League. You mm. know, like you don't, I don't, I'm not, I'm not sure you can, you can be so, it. Uh, I don't know what I still think Mbappe is. The I don't think cl- he's the best player. In the world. I think he's the best player in the world. But again, it's, 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 he can only be now that Messi's left Europe. This is the season where you prove it. But I don't think he's. he's gonna do, he'll do one year and then he goes to Spain and prove it again. Yeah, but, exactly. Yeah, I don't think he will. But I must say, yeah. I don't think I don't think he's conclusively proven that he was head and shoulders the best the best player on the planet it, you are right though what, what did he do when he goes because uh, there's no there's no obvious world absolute superstar who you think yeah. you're going to get him the next one but like it's it's it is, it's been difficult for them you're right they, they needed that Champions League win they, they want to yeah. go be with India in the final they needed that so badly 
Right then, that's enough of everyone else. Let's get back to the Reds. Yes, I mentioned at the top of the show, didn't I? Liverpool's newest signing, Wataru Endo. It's been made official in the build-up to the signing as soon as the rumours dropped. Dan Club did what Dan Club does best and got on the phone to as many different people as he could to try and find out as much as possible about a player who it's fair to say not many of us were familiar with. He did loads and loads of these, but we bring you a clip from one of them. This is Transfer Insight with Bundesliga reporter Konstantin Eck. Out of nowhere, not even been linked to him, Liverpool suddenly signing Stuttgart's captain, 30-year-old Japanese international. There's been no links at all. Fascinating transfer. Mm-hmm. And I want to speak to you because last year you wrote an article and it was Japan's best have found a home in the Bundesliga. And I wanted to speak to you about one of them, obviously. It is Wataru Endu. So 133 appearances he's made for Stuttgart. Has it been impressive mm-hmm. uh, pretty much since he arrived in the Bundesliga? Yeah, of course. Um, I mean, he joined Stuttgart when they uh, were going up or they were trying to get back their footing in the Bundesliga because they have been one of these elevator clubs, right? Uh, we've, we've gone down and then back up again. And and they needed to kind of rebuild their team. And uh, Endo came from Belgium, St. Truiden. Uh, he, was somewhat, he was somewhat known. Um, because he also played for Oraba Diamonds before that, uh, Red Diamonds, and also he was known from his appearances for the uh, Japan international team. He wasn't really known as as a, as a club player, to, to be honest. But of course, I mean, uh, Japan usually plays um, or plays at the at the World Cup usually, right? Um, and so the name and the player was well known, but not not so much like on on a top level in Europe um so he joined Stuttgart and I think it was a success story because they, they needed someone like an anchor midfielder I like to say or holding midfielder but really an anchor midfielder someone who's you can build your midfield around and, and he was that the type of player a very intense playing style um so and Stuttgart needed that because they uh, as, as a lot of Bundesliga clubs, especially uh, on the lower half of the table, usually like to uh, play transition football, meaning you know, winning the ball and then uh, going down downhill or down the field very fast. And yeah, he was perfect for that because he can intercept the ball and win the ball back uh, frequently. So yeah, and then also he turned out to be uh, also a, a leader, um, which who 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 knows when you sign someone like like uh, Endo coming from Belgium i mean he he was or had had been a leader at the uh, Japan national team but you never know if he can also have that leadership role uh within a bundesliga side or in in a bundesliga locker room uh, but he did and uh that's why he's he's now uh, very much beloved by a lot of stuttgart fans and also a lot of teammates uh, because they managed to stay up and and he played a big part in in keeping that actually in the Bundesliga. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned his style of play there and sort of what he's done since he arrived at Stuttgart. He's got 15 goals and 12 assists in that time. Do you think you mentioned sort of his anchor and his holding role and his tackling? He's obviously very proficient in that. That's where his strengths are. But has he got more to his game than that? Because I mentioned his goals there. You mentioned he scored a big goal to help Stuttgart stay up, of course, as well, one season. So he's got an eye for a pass. He's got quality in the final third as well, it looks like. Yeah, but I mean, when you look at his past completion rate, it's like uh, around 80%. So he's not really a playmaker or anything like that. I, f- I think he he kind of thrived, thrived in that environment of a, a team that tries to play very fast once they have the ball. So he can, you know, push the ball forward, but he's not really a playmaker uh, type of guy. So in, in a in a side that plays possession-heavy football, I don't. I don't think you will be like the deep lying play, uh, midfielder or something like that. That that uh, you know creates plays uh, from right in front of the back line. Uh, it's usually not his his style of play. Interestingly enough, in, in the last season, he, he more than before played uh, as in a higher position midfield because they had Rafael Casio, who was then the holding midfielder for Stuttgart, and and Endo played a little bit higher up, but still was kind of that. Uh, defensive central midfielder type of player who's still like all about winning the ball and and then uh, trying to initiate transition attacks. Um, so it will be interesting to see um, how he will be used at Liverpool. Uh, but I think he's more like the type of player who uh, tries to clean house behind the more creative midfielders like Soboslai um, and McAllister. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think that's how he's going to be used as well, to be honest, I would imagine. We definitely need someone like that, having lost Fabinho and Jordan Henderson, of course. You mentioned a moment ago, Constantine, that he became very popular with fans and teammates. I've seen some managers of his really praising him as well. So what is it about him that makes him a cult hero? Is it the way he plays? Is it the commitment he has? Is it the fact that he gives 110% by the looks of it every time he steps onto the pitch? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, because he never stops. He's, he has like... Uh... A high level of stamina, which is also often admired by uh, by teammates and also by fans. Um, he has that energetic playing style, um, especially when, when you when you see a site, a site like Stuttgart. Uh, they they play against uh, or they try to avoid relegation. Um, so as a, a fighter, uh, is of course all usually admired and beloved, um, and and also because he was that that leadership type. Um, in a team that was very young, they had a they had a crew of young midfielders of, of, of just an overall crew of young players. Basically, there were a few experienced ones, and and Endo was one of them. I mean, he's now thirty, uh, so in the past few years, he was one of the older players at Stuttgart, and and so yeah, he also fulfilled that leadership role, and that's why um, a, a lot of people speak very highly of him. And also because I think he's, he's like the he's a dream player of every coach because he, he he's like. Uh, fighting and and playing intensely, um, and that's what what usually coaches want from their players, right? They, they don't want to have anyone who's like, all right, today I don't I don't really want to play uh, at hundred percent. I just I just give it my eighty. <laughs> it's usually what what drives coaches crazy. Um, I mean, and your club is one of them. <laughs> um, if, if one of his players only gives eighty or seventy percent, he's like uh, he goes out of his mind probably. Um, so yeah, um, coaches like these type of players, obviously, um. But, I mean, he has the talent, he has the skills, and he has the stamina to go 110% over 90 minutes. Other players just don't have that, right? They don't, they don't have the ingredients to do that. Um, so it's also about, like, um, work ethic and and just athletic, being athletically gifted in a way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it sounds like he's going to be right up Jurgen Klopp Street then if he's willing to to put his uh, every single bit of energy into every single game. That sounds very much uh, Jurgen Klopp's type of player. You mentioned there, obviously, he was named captain. It was Pellegrino Matarazzo, I believe, the manager of Hoffenheim now, named in captain. Was that a, a popular decision at the time? Is that a decision that everyone thought, OK, that makes perfect sense? Because, like you say, he hadn't been at the club for that long. But to name him captain, was that just an obvious choice? More or less, it was. I mean, there were a few few other experienced German players who could have also been captain, but uh, also um, Endo committed to the club, um, which is something I think that uh, a lot of people at Stuttgart, um, yeah, um, thanked him for. Uh, so it was it was a controversial decision to to make Endo the the captain uh, because he 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 had proof at the at the Japan national team that he can be a leader. Then he he also. Proved it at uh, at Stuttgart for for a little while, and then uh, making him the captain. Yeah, no, there wasn't no, no doubt about it. That should be the right decision, or will be the right decision. Uh, so Madarazzo, I don't think he had uh, he didn't uh, need to think long uh, to before he made him the captain. Yeah, absolutely. I wanted to ask you as well. It's fascinating to me that he wears a gum shield when he plays a lot of the time. Is that just because he gets stuck in? He has the thing in his mouth. Is that because he gets stuck in? You mentioned the word fighter a moment ago. Is that sort of because he's in danger of getting hurt half the time? He's that committed? No, and also he uh, battles a lot of uh, a lot of his duels are in the air. So he has. If you uh, look at his win percentage in aerial duels, he is among the best midfielders in Europe. Um, and also, I mean, to be honest, like it's, it's actually a smart move because uh, it's it's not really about protecting your teeth, by the way. It's, it's more about um, protection against uh, concussions. Okay. Yeah, you join. I, that, I yeah. think I think a lot of people. I, I think a lot of people don't know actually. If if if, if you if you wear one, um, it, it can help uh, protecting you against uh, concussions because that then your your teeth don't uh, smash into each other because that can can actually um, increase the likelihood of getting uh, concussed. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, and also, also probably he doesn't want to have dental work being done all the time. No, he's smart. He's a good footballer as well as being smart. Yeah, we'll take that. We like that. Um, just a little bit on sort of his characteristics and more his personality, I guess, because he's, he appears as though he's hungry to succeed. This move is being sort of built. I've seen Stuttgart released a statement previously. Recently, the manager said it was sort of a dream for him to go and play in England. I imagine he never never expected to be moving to Liverpool this summer. So do you think he is very hungry to succeed? He is 30 now, but do you think this move to the Premier League is a golden opportunity for him? Yeah, like most uh 
Japanese players. Uh, they they dream of uh, getting to the Premier League. I mean, if you if you remember like Shinji Kagawa, for instance, from Borussia mm-hmm. Dortmund, right? When he got the opportunity to join Manchester United, he just he jumped right onto it. Um, just because the Premier League is broadcasted uh, widely, extensively in in Japan, so a lot of people and a lot of young young footballers grew up. Um, watching the Premier League. So there's there's somewhat of a connection. Um, it's, it might be, you know, like when you come from Argentina, maybe you want to play in the La Liga, right? And, and when you come from Japan, you, you want to play in the Premier League. Um, I don't think he actually expected to get an offer from Liverpool, to be honest. I mean, because he played at Stuttgart and Stuttgart were um, battling relegation the past few years. So he's he's not the most likely candidate to join Liverpool, to be, uh, in, in, currently at least, right? Um, so maybe he was eyeing for a move to to a Premier League site uh, down the road, but more like I don't know Brighton or something. Maybe, maybe yeah. not Liverpool. Uh, but and and of course, I mean, he he also knows that he's not the first choice. I mean, that, that we don't have to uh, dispute that. I mean, the, the, there were two other players who were the first and second choice basically. So he's only the third choice. But I don't think he doesn't mind. Uh, it, in a sense, uh, someone like Endo, he strikes me as someone who's who's also realistic about like his potential and his skills and and what he can do and where where he's where he's at basically in in the pecking order. Um, so. I, I think he's just he's just happy about getting the opportunity and playing for Liverpool a few years, um, and then whatever maybe re- retiring in Japan, something like that. He has five kids, um, so moving them over from Stuttgart to Liverpool will also be kind of a hassle, I guess. Wow, <laughs> so, yeah, um, five. But yeah, I, yeah. Uh, but at thirty, I mean, it's, it's just we, the, the past few weeks we have discussed Harry Kane, or a lot of people have discussed the Harry Harry Kane so much, right? Um, Harry Kane is also thirty. It's like at that age, you you think about all right. Maybe that's the last big contract. I mean, you know, for Harry Kane, but like, you know, this might oh, yeah. the last opportunity to really jump to another club, make a big move. Um, for a lot of players, it is like that, right? Once they turn 30. Right? Um, so signing a multi-year contract with Liverpool might be his last big contract uh, before he, as, as many uh, Japanese players, by the way, return to Japan and retire there. Uh, because they are, they are always, and, and Endo is the same, they're always very closely connected to their to their home, to to the family at home, you know, to their parents and so on. Um, and it's the same with him. Uh, but before he can do it, he uh, before he can retire in Japan, he can uh, play for Liverpool a few years. And he also knows that uh, maybe next year or, or the summer in uh, 2025, 20, Liverpool will, of course, sign someone else for the holding midfielder position. I mean, he's realistic and everyone is realistic. And I think that's what I also got from, from Stuttgart, uh, basically, was like, yeah, they, they will allow him to go there. Yeah, he hasn't signed an extension, so it is also his. He's in his last contract year, so now they get money for him. It's also also a bit of a shock for, for Stuttgart still because like they lose their best player, um, but they just allow him to go and uh, yeah, and and he also knows what he's to, what's to be expected uh, from his time in, at Liverpool. Uh, probably maybe the first year he will be a starter, and maybe the second year he will move uh, onto more of a bench player. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. 
Thanks to Dan and for Constantine for that one. Yeah, there's loads, loads, loads more endo content over there. We've got a Red Memory Axe with Paul and Chris. We've got a Deep Dive. We've got loads and loads. We've got Japanese football experts. We've got German commentators. Absolutely tons over there for you to get stuck into. Moving on, the next up, it is Jano Insight. Yes, each and every week, twice a week, throughout the transfer window and then once a week throughout the rest of the football season we have Neil Jones in studio talking about everything to do with Liverpool whether it's on the pitch or off the pitch and this is a clip from the latest episode of Jano Insight yeah some news to talk about mate yeah Yeah. and out of nowhere last night we were just talking off air about sort of doing some work and sort of the names that Liverpool have been linked with tentatively or otherwise and this one was definitely not one of them (laughs) Um, Otaru Endo obviously Stuttgart captain Japan captain as well very much came out of the blue I spoke to Ian Doyle the other day and we discussed the fact that nothing was really off the table now for Liverpool and sort of the targets we yeah. had looked at and we sort of crossed off the list for whatever reason they might be back on the list but this one I don't think anybody expected No and I'd be surprised if Wataro Endo expected it as well I, you know uh, it's look you have to you have to sort of separate two parts of it I think there's the the wider perception element to it which is probably not good and there's the the individual transfer element to it, which is a bit better. Yeah. You know, we think. I think it's hard to sort of really find the to separate the two. But in isolation, as a player, it's someone who Liverpool could do with and could use. I think you know, in terms of what he's good at, what his what his skills are, what his pedigree is, his experience, the fact that he plays a lot of games. Um, I think it's important. To, to that the Liverpool got someone in, but the wider obviously element to it is that this guy is not what Liverpool were planning to do at any point this summer. You'd have, you would have you have to think that he was available in June, July. Yeah. Now it's late August or middle of August, and he's been signed. So that's that's the sort of positives and negatives to it. Mm-hmm. Um, Hopefully it gets done first and foremost. I suppose we should should add that bit in. You know the fact that we've we've seen Liverpool agree deals and and move forward in deals recently and mm-hmm. not get it done. This one looks like it'll be done. Yeah. Maybe in time for the weekend, um, which would be helpful. Yeah. Um, but we'll see. Obviously, there's a medical thing today, mm-hmm. and then I, don't, I mean I don't imagine personal terms will be a problem. I think we just got to make sure no one tells Chelsea about it, and uh, hopefully it'll get done. Yeah, absolutely. I think you sort of allude to it there. They're sort of we're not likely to get gazumped or hijacked on this one, and maybe that's part of the reason they've gone for it because maybe we are sort of licking our wounds a little bit from what sort of transpired yeah. in the past few days with Lavia and Kaiser, and that's not a reason to go for a play. Of course, it's not. But as you mentioned, I think it's a bit of a dream move for him in many senses. Oh, yeah. He's going to be absolutely desperate to come play for Liverpool, play under Jurgen Klopp, of course. So yeah, I don't see any major complications in terms of it. Um, just on the deal. I've seen a few different fees sort of banded about. Last night, it started sort of 18 million euros. And this morning, Toby Elchaffel from Sport Builders reported just 20 million euro plus 5 million bonuses. I suppose, what, what, what's your sort of yeah. take on the, on the fee? And in terms of that fee, that's a really low deal. Like, that's probably the lowest we've seen anybody linked to Liverpool this summer. Like, even your amber bats of this world are going to be more expensive yeah. than that. So what it does do is it leaves money in the budget per se, to go and do something else. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I think it's £16 million is the, the deal. I mean, I haven't looked at the exchange rate on that, but £16 million, I'm guessing that's close to 18 to £20 million. I think it's just shy of 20 or yeah, something. Yeah, um, and obviously that's linked to his age. It's linked to the fact that he's got a year left on his contract. Um, and, yeah... <laughs> You wouldn't expect Liverpool to be paying much more than that for 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 a thirty year old. And let's be fair, you know, listen, he's got decent pedigree in the Bundesliga and he's captain of Japan. But this isn't a sort of you know a household name mm. by any means. <laughs> Certainly not outside of outside of Japan or Stuttgart. Mm. Um, so it, you're right; it should leave money in the budget. And I think that's the that's probably the the more interesting point around this deal, isn't it? Is okay. What what else are Liverpool going to do? Because you can't. I can't envisage this world where Liverpool say that's us. Thank you. Mm. We've got our three midfielders in. Uh, you know, draw stumps and let's go home. There has to be more to it. They've just put a hundred odd million up for Caicedo. They're willing to put fifty plus million up for Lavia. Have they looked to redirect some of that money and go? Okay, tell you what, let's get a right back and a centre back, or let's get a, another forward player in. Mm-hmm. 
let's get another another number eight type player in who, who you know fleshes out that part of the squad. You know, there's a lot of names that have been linked in that regard. So. I think that's the, the question now is, first and foremost, get this deal done. What's he going to be like? He's got, probably going to need a bit of time. You know, you've got to be fair with these players. It's it's not, it, it, it's natural, but it's not nice or right for Liverpool fans to expect him to just come and change the world. You've got to give him a little bit of time. He's coming from a, a team that was struggling in the Bundesliga, mm-hmm. a new new league, new language, new culture, obviously new demands of, of the club. He's going to need a little bit of time to get used to it. I think his... From speaking to a lot of people, and you know, I'm sure you've done the same. I'm sure everyone's done similar. Looking at people who've watched him, but, mm-hmm. but I, I've been speaking to some people. I spoke to Nat Phillips yesterday about about him. He played with him at Stuttgart, yeah. and he said, you know, his sort of skill set is all real sort of endeavour. Gets stuck in, wins his tackles, wins his headers. You know, pretty reliable on the ball, short distances, consistent. Um, you know, positionally good. He'll still have to adapt to a little bit of the nuances of Liverpool's play, but mm-hmm. you would hope that those sort of those skills transfer quite easily into the Premier League. You know, you know when to tackle, you know when to head. Um, but just in terms of getting up to top top speed, or you know, settling into a real role within the team, if if indeed he goes straight into the team, mm. um, might take him a, a few weeks, a month or so. And I think it's important to be patient with him. But I think it's important from Liverpool's perspective that this is followed up with. Some more good business, really. Yeah, definitely. But like I say, I think it was important that we got something over the line yeah. pretty sharply because it does ease the panic amongst the fan base somewhat. And I know that... <laughs> does be, it? Well, yeah, there'll be naysayers out there who, because they've never heard of him, because he's not that marquee sign, or that household name, we don't see him week in, week out, obviously. There will be still people saying, well, I don't really care, who is he, whatever. Yeah. But what it does do is it does sort of fill a void and plug a gap. And I want to touch on that in a second. And just in terms of adaptation, I guess his experience, he played in Belgium, like we touched on earlier, obviously spent a lot of his early career in Japan, done a few years in the Bundesliga now, and he is 30, so he's got a wealth of football, and I think he's got 50 Japan caps, yeah. so in terms of his experience, he he's not learning on the job, essentially, he's learning the Premier League, but he knows what football is all about by now. Yeah, and also, we, I mean, we've talked on on this show quite regularly about what, what Liverpool's, not necessarily what player Liverpool get, but what strategy they go for, what type of player, and you know, you, he's obviously a different player to Lavia, for example, not just in his age and you know his, his, his experience, but type of player. Really, Lavia is more of a you know a on the ball type of holding player, isn't mm. he? You know, clearly his strengths lie in, in that that area rather than maybe the, being a destroyer. He, uh, Endo, from all the yeah. all the, the footage, all the stats, all the tributes that you read before him, uh, you know, is is he's a holding midfielder who, who does defensive work isn't he you know, first and foremost so Liverpool have at least for now committed to that idea that that was what was needed I think everyone felt that you know felt what, what would what would you add to this Liverpool team it would be someone of the Fabinho ilk of getting the foot in winning headers you know breaking up play being that what was the nickname he had the, uh, Dyson you yeah. know sweeping up yeah. that, 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 those areas so they've committed to that which is that's something. That's a step forward, isn't it? You know, we're not sort of sitting here going, oh, what are, they, "Are they going to put Curtis Jones in there? Are they going to put Trent in? You know, are they going to do that? Are they going to try and sort of wing it with McAllister? You know, does that option now is there? Um, yeah, his experience, I think, shouldn't be underestimated. I think the fact that you know he's clearly a, he's a senior player coming in, isn't he? He's not a project. He, he's he's probably not. He's not someone who, you know, you're going to, like I say, expect to change everything about the way Liverpool play but he coming in he's played in the World Cup actually I mean Japan their, their game against Germany was one of the best games of the World Cup I, I remember watching that I remember covering that for goal and you know it was Matoma and, and uh, Kamada and a few others who really I just what I remember about that game was that they swarmed over Germany yeah, in the second did. half they, they absolutely sort of you know could live them could they they got yeah, a grip yeah, of them didn't yeah, they and, yeah. and, and really sort of you know Overwhelm them physically and, and and with energy. So if he's he's playing a team that's capable of doing that, then that's a good sign as well. <laughs> of course, Stuttgart. I mean, they've not been a great Bundesliga side. I mean, they've narrowly, I think, avoided relegation mm-hmm. last year. So he's obviously had a lot of work to do defensively in that sense. But there's, you know, it's good signs that he's he's worn the armband for his club, his country. As I say, the tributes from Bundesliga watches, and you know, saw Jan Agafiotov, there's Kevin Hatchard, who, who's a Bundesliga commentator, yeah. um, a few others, Chris Williams, I think, gave mm-hmm. gave um, you know good feedback on him. 
let's hope he can bring that over here and as I say let's hope Liverpool can can get something else on the back of that and whether that's another midfield player whether that's a centre back whether that's a forward you know or, or that kind of um, signing you know we'll see but let's just hope it's not the last of Liverpool's business this, no it this can't window. be it absolutely can't be yeah, I'll come on to sort of what happens next in a moment but Kevin Ashley on the red of course as well I should say so we'll have a, is that right yeah, I, oh, yeah, didn't yeah, know that, yeah. I didn't know that yeah. no no, no yeah. I didn't know I spoke to Kevin a few times hides yeah. it well yeah he did well <laughs> he did it well until he wore an Ian Rush shirt the last time I spoke to him no he doesn't hide it well then no <laughs> <laughs> he literally had like a Rush 9 top on oh, okay, and right. that was the first time and I didn't know before that to be fair because he had the top on and then while we were talking I can't remember who's about now obviously somebody was saying might have been Topper's like um and he said during it, it's around Liverpool fan. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah. So, so before, just finally, before we move on to, who we might go for next. Um, you've spoken a bit about sort of what he might bring in terms of his playing style and what he might yeah. offer in terms of fitting into the squad. But I want to touch on sort of what we've lost in terms of leadership and we've already spoken about his experience the fact he's a captain and I think Klopp's referenced this a couple of times in terms of trying to replace the Milners of this world in the squad and what he does and of course Henderson something you said off air which is quite interesting in terms of the fee being very similar to what we obviously sold yeah. Henderson for eventually do you see that in him do you see that sort of because I, I a lot of what I've seen, as well as being really sort of complimentary about his playing style and what he can offer on the pitch, is just how great a person he is. Yeah, we've gone for that a bit as well. I th- well, you would hope so. I mean, I, I can't, I can't profess to know him. I know he was, he's known. I saw a comment on on my Substack which said he's known as Endo Legendino or something like that. Oh, is nice it? Uh, you know, so, something along those lines. I, I might have got that wrong. Check check my Substack <laughs> for the comment. But by Stuttgart fans, you know, he's, he's sort of a real fans favourite. I think, to be honest, what I would say more in terms of replacing Henderson and Milner is if it seems like he's very consistent and it feels like he's someone who he doesn't miss many games for a start I'm guessing you know that's that's def- well I'm not guessing it has come into Liverpool's thinking that you know it's not a case of you could take some gambles you know let's let's just pick a player Calvin Phillips for example I don't think Calvin Phillips is a bad player whatsoever but if you buy him you're potentially buying a problem because he might miss games and you know his history tells you he misses games Tyler Adams another one you know who's been linked mm-hmm. um, with with the move recently yeah. not to Liverpool necessarily but to a Premier League club they're they're very good players potentially but they're also potentially expensive assets that are going to be on the on the treatment table mm-hmm. at least with with Endo the the sort of the tea leaves or the history tells you that he's going to be available yeah. his style Feels and sounds and looks selfless. Mm-hmm. So he, you know, he part. You know, it's for the team. It's not. He's not coming in sort of with this any airs and graces. You know, the fact that he obviously, I'm pretty sure he he never envisaged that he'd be moving to Liverpool this summer. There's there's a hunger there. You know, to, to prove himself. And like you say, you know, we talk about Henderson. He was 33. We replaced him with a 30 year old for roughly the same money. I think it'll probably work out identical almost with the the wages saved versus the the yeah. transfer fee paid. Um. You know, it's not it's not the worst thing in the world, is it? You know, he, I think he's also played centre back occasionally. Yeah, I, he's like that once or twice. Yeah, I don't I don't envisage just the size, I don't envisage him playing centre back for Liverpool. He's what is he five foot ten. Yeah. I know he's really good in the air apparently, but I don't I don't think he's been signed to play centre back. But it's nice to have that maybe as an in game option if you if you're yeah. chasing a game or you you're trying to hold on for the extra fifteen minutes at, at the end of a game. But I think yeah, if you're getting the, the perception I get, and I, you know, this is no one said this to me, but this is the perception you get from all of the sort of tributes. It's sort of a solid pro. If you and, and there's nothing wrong with getting a, a solid pro in from time to time. Obviously, Liverpool need a bit more than solid pros at this moment, and you know, they've got they've, they've bought more than solid pros in McAllister and Sobersly, and hopefully mm-hmm. there's a one or two more of those to come. Mm-hmm. But this is this sign and just smacks of that really. You know, someone who's quite reliable, solid selfless you know and got potential to you know make a difference whether it's in one game in two in every game in in one game in three just someone who's going to boost the squad at the very least hey everyone I hope you've enjoyed that section of my conversation with the brilliant Neil Jones if you want to watch or listen to the show in full head to webmplus.com sign up as a captain or a legend you'll get that plus all the other amazing content that we do day in day out here at the Redmen TV Yep, thanks, Neil, for that one coming in each and every week, providing us with some of the best Liverpool content around. Right then, let's start wrapping up with one final clip. Yes, transfers are boss, but you know what? The Reds have actually got a game of football to play this weekend. They are facing, of course, 
Bournemouth at Anfield. Delighted that I am back on Oppo preview duties this season. I was made up to speak from sorry to speak with Craig from the Up the Cherries AFC Bournemouth YouTube channel to get the lowdown on the South Coast Club. And here's what Craig had to say. Hello everyone, welcome to Red Men Plus. Yes, it's time for another opposition preview. This time we will get their home campaign underway against Bournemouth. Delighted to say I'm joined by Craig from the Up the Cherries and all departments, Bournemouth podcast. Craig, first of all, mate, thank you very, very much for joining us. Not a problem at all, Steve, and so pleased to be with you here. Absolutely, mate. Right, listen, let's just get straight into it then. Liverpool get their home campaign underway. Yep. One against Chelsea, obviously welcome and Bournemouth to Anfield. Um, listen, mate, there's, it doesn't, there's not sure it last time Bournemouth came to Anfield. It was an absolute embarrassment. One that cost the yes. manager this, one that cost the manager this job ultimately, or at least partly. At that point, I'll be honest, I was like, how are this team ever going to stay in the Premier League? They look miles off. Yeah. Um, Gary O'Neill came and managed to keep Bournemouth up, and then, but he's not, he's not the manager now. Which again, I'll be honest with you, mate, you know more about this than me, but that's the place I'd like to start really from. From an inside-the-club perspective, obviously, from it's easy for us to, to to cast judgment on a guy who kept Bournemouth up and then was ultimately removed. But what was your thoughts on the club uh, taking getting rid of, of Gary O'Neill? To be honest, I was a huge Gary fan um, after that game at Anfield. Um, and to be honest, I walked out of Anfield feeling the same way. I thought, we're going to be right up against it. Um, Scott Parker, believe it or not, had already thrown the team a little bit under the bus before a ball had even been kicked. And then, you know, to come out with what he did after the game, I don't think it was so much the the, the scoreline, but I think it was the manner of the defeat and then what he came out with afterwards. But Gary O'Neill did an outstanding job to actually turn it around. First game, you know, we, we drew nil-nil with Wolves, which is not a thriller by any stretch of the imagination, but that's probably the best scoreline you can hope for, a clean sheet after a thrashing. And let's be honest, we were poor that day. Um, One thing I would say that Gary O'Neill did change, and you probably saw it for yourself, we sat so far back at Anfield, we just allowed, and you can't allow a team like Liverpool just to ply the pressure onto you, play in front of you, and just pick us off at will, because Really, it could and should have been actually more than the nine. And uh, I don't think I'm being unrealistic with that. You know, really, we it could have been double digits that day, how poorly we played. But going back to your earlier question, uh, Gary O'Neill managed to get the team on side, get the confidence back up, managed to do effectively what he's done with Wolves in one game, you know, pick everybody up yes he did have failings um there was the three two defeat at home to spurs and then there was also the four three defeat at leeds both games we led those games by two clear goals um the leeds one was the biggest one for me again he sat too far back and to be honest our defense last season wasn't good enough wasn't good enough as you saw um but after those, he started to play on the front attacking foot. You know, he started, okay, we had a bit of a wobble after the World Cup. That was a lot of that was down to injuries. Uh, Dom was out for quite some time. But, you know, after that, we started to play on the front foot. We started playing this pressing football, attacking football. We didn't seem to fear anybody. Um, and that's why... You know, when we go back to that game at Dean Court against yourselves, it was a completely different, whole different game. The personnel was quite similar. Yeah, we had a couple of new signings in there, but the personnel was pretty much identical. So the players could do it, but Gary O'Neill got the best out of them and managed to get us across the line with four games to go. Um, your friends across the park helped us out a little bit with that because uh, they got beat by Man City. Um, but, you know, I think he did a tremendous job. So I was shocked when he was sacked. On that though, mate, obviously Antonio Ariola comes in. From, from Again, from the outside looking in, this feels to me that there's, obviously there's ambitious owners at Bournemouth, everyone knows that there's, yeah. an, ownership, there's an ownership group there who's, 
who are quite rightly within their rights to, to want their club to be run in a certain way and they've got aspirations you know Europe has, has been mentioned at times and things like that is it is this just a case of they've identified that there might be a potentially better manager who more suits what they potentially want to do obviously I watched the West Ham game the other day and already you could see Bournemouth wanting more of the ball and you mentioned before about they were much more attacking against West Ham is that the case that they've just thought you know what Gary O'Neill can get us this far but we think there's a guy here who can who can get us there and ultimately that's why they made what was quite probably a difficult decision yeah most definitely most definitely and I managed to speak to Jim White and Simon Jordan and also Stuart Pearce um, on TalkSport after that decision was made. Also spoke to Robbie Savage and Chris Sutton after the Liverpool game coming back. Um, and to be honest, they thought Scott Parker should have stayed. But personally, I was shocked at first, but the person that we bought in, you know, it made sense. He was available. Leeds did want him during mid-season last year um, when they sacked Jesse Marsh. Um, and... Of course, fair play to him. He honoured his Rayo Vallecano contract um, and then decided to make the move. If you look at what he did at Rayo Vallecano, he, he did a fantastic job getting a team which is untraditional, but also a very, very small club. If, imagine, you know, he didn't keep them there, but he did get them into those positions at one point during that season. But imagine get, getting Luton Town into the Champions League places. You know, he managed managed to finish mid-table in the end. But, you know, that's a tremendous job with a lot less money than he's going to have at Bournemouth. And already, although he's not really in charge of the signings, a lot of that comes from Richard Hughes and Neil Blake, but already we've seen them signing the players that suit his... And to be fair, in January, I do question whether or not they had this in mind because the players we signed in January actually are players that probably better suited to Iriola's style of football, the Basque style of football, like Emery, Lopetegui, Arteta, Azabi Alonso, that attacking, pressing from the front, pressing the defence, um, rather than Gary O'Neill's. Um, and I, I, I'm not discrediting what Gary did. I think, you know, he did a tremendous job, but maybe Iriola at this point in time is just a little bit more advanced and again, mate, the proof will be in the pudding, I suppose, won't it? But it will. Yeah, I want to speak about the transfer in a moment, actually, mate. But before we do, again, I, I did watch the I watched the, the West Ham game a, a bit as well. Obviously, it was it was a good game. I thought Bournemouth more than deserved the points. Actually, I thought in, in general, um, is the only again and, and during pre-season and then that, obviously it's a small sample size. But what have been the main differences of Bournemouth you've seen in pre-season and obviously that game compared to what you were watching at the end of last season? Can you, is there a noticeable difference because? Again, I don't watch Bournemouth obviously as much as you, but I could tell yeah. they felt like a much more of a a plan to be on the ball and maybe just pass the ball around a bit and just keep the ball a bit more because again, I, I, we played Bournemouth at your place, you got beat. It was very frenetic and it was very back against the wall at times. This felt like more of a possession based team that I saw against West Ham anyway. Yeah, you're completely spot on. So the possession statistics are a lot, lot better. Okay, possession doesn't win your games, but we seem to be doing the right things with the ball. We seem to be, you know, really, even when we're off the ball, you know, we are doing that attacking from the front, you know, making sure the defence are put under immediate pressure. At first, during pre-season, because I saw quite a few of the games, um, you know, against Hibernian, we we thrashed Hibernian, and then we played Maccabi Tel Aviv. And in that game, um, I think that we were the the one thing I would say about it is the intensity that Iriola is putting them under, you know, really caught up with them. I think they're up to speed. Um, you know, but we need a big squad, you know, a squad, you know, not full of squad players because that's what we had last season. If, you know, a player was out injured, and that's what we found after the World Cup. We had players out injured and therefore our fringe players probably weren't good enough to actually make that step up. What we've got now is a solid team. Um, still lacking a little bit up front. I think if Dom gets injured, Kiefer Moore seems to be a little bit more suited to Iriola's style. But at the same time, I think, you know, he is, I think he's a bit of a target man 
bit of a target man. Sometimes that doesn't really work with the way we're playing. Um, but Iriola seems to have got a little bit better, uh, more out of him than Gary O'Neill was. Um, and defensively, we've really shored that up. But the midfield, if you look at our midfield, Steve, it is awash with talent. And, you know, it's we've never been in this position before because I was looking at that midfield and I thought, I'm not sure who is going to start. You know, you could have multiple five or six combinations normally last season at times it was like well it picks itself Lema, billing jobs are good and kind of thing that's what I yeah exactly exactly thanks cake for that one and yeah thanks for you guys for listening to all those clips like i say they are available in full over on redmenplus.com use the endo code if you sign up as easily as a yearly captain rather and you'll save yourself 50% off. If you want to sign up through Spotify and you only want to listen to our shows on Spotify and you're not bothered about watching the videos, you just want to listen to them and you love using Spotify, if you search for Red Men Plus uh, podcasts on Spotify, you can sign up there. You pay them directly. It doesn't go into our website. So you don't get the videos and you don't get any of the other stuff. But what you will get is each and every one of our Red Men Plus podcasts directly into your Spotify app. So I advise you to go to redmenplus.com and sign up. But if you desperately love just listen to Spotify you can do it via them as well just search on your app for Red Men Plus podcast and get yourselves involved right then hope you guys have a wonderful weekend whatever you get up to hopefully Liverpool will be Bournemouth to make it a brighter weekend for you we'll be back next week with another episode rather of the Red Men Weekly podcast I'll see you all then When you make decisions for your company you look for the no-brainers and if you have a lot of mailing to do Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.